there's a lot of great ideas that have sort of niche channels. Within seven months, we made our first million. We kind of went crazy just from this idea. We decided to go with it. So it's been very successful. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard some snippets from our show. Stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, full service intellectual property law firm. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not a lawyer, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startup. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The show that's all about entrepreneurship, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have a special guest, Paul Metaxatos. He's the founding partner of Motive and a product development expert. So a lot Lots of great information coming your way on that. And then we have the founder of the Transformation Factory, who was also on Shark Tank, Alexio Gibson. He has an incredible consumer product, and we're going to let him tell you all about it when it's his turn. And then we have our returning guests, Kevin and Lori Lane. Defenders, yes. Defenders <laughs> with Create a Castle, which is selling like hotcakes. We can hardly wait for their update. So stay tuned. I guess this is really our consumer product show. It really is. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for IP in the news. Elizabeth, you picked this one out. It has something to do with food. Right. Bacon. Mm. Bacon, 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 it's, but fake bacon for it, those of us who can't eat real bacon. Yeah, it's spelled B-A-K-O-N. So Thrilling Foods actually got a U.S. patent for the world's first fat-streaked plant-based bacon. So I do feel like there's a lot of misconception out there about whether or not you can get a patent on food. Well, they did. So yes, you can. Right. I mean, that's a great point. Lots of times people ask us, can you get patents on foods and recipes? There's this rumor out there that it's not possible. But of course, it's just like anything else. I mean, whether you want to patent it or not is another question. But if I had plant-based fat-streaked bacon, I think I would certainly considering patenting it. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. And I think it is pretty Original, it says it has its proprietary use of protein-bound fat layers that alternate with ultra-lean meaty layers and the company's use of natural umami flavors found in certain proteins. I kind of want to try this. You're probably the only one because why mess with something that is already amazing? I mean, it's a little when thing you can called, have real bacon, why would you have plant bacon? It's a little thing called cholesterol, my dear. Mm, yeah, well, <laughs> there are some things worth dying for, but maybe, maybe, maybe our guests will have a different opinion. Paul, what do you think about this plant-based bacon stuff? You know, I had some plant-based sausage last night, now that you mentioned it, over dinner, and, and my three girls and my wife all had various sort of feedback on it. You know, was that was that really quite right? I thought it was good, but I, I don't, don't complain when my wife makes me dinner. So, <laughs> Lexio, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, maybe I'm a little biased because I've been plant-based for four years now. Oh. And uh, so to piggyback off of Elizabeth, you know, you have cholesterol, you have carcinogens, you have all of these things that you probably wouldn't want in, in your body for a long period of time or consistently. So I'm a big fan of finding things that remind people of the toxic foods they used to eat, but, but they still get to enjoy it. So thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I think we live in a world where, you know, there's a lot of vegans, there's people who are more health conscious. The market has changed. The market has changed. But I really hope the fact that they could get a patent, which helps them block competitors, mm -hmm. encourage other people to do more really good tasting vegan foods. I mean, have you ever had an Impossible Burger or a plant-based burger or anything like that? I have to be careful with that stuff because they have a lot of sodium. But yeah, we went to a vegan restaurant in New York in down near Tribeca when we went to the studio last time last summer. It was super good. Anyway, I guess the lesson, the takeaway from this segment is that you can patent food. And especially if you're doing plant-based food, it's a good idea. Get a patent on it. Now we'd like to get to our guest du jour, Paul Metaxatos. I've known Paul a little bit. We've collaborated on a few projects. He is a product designer extraordinaire, and he's worked with companies like Keurig, Delta, Coravan, Culligan, iRobot, Butler Home Products, and Vitamix. So he's really in there when it comes to designing the products. Tell us a little bit about your company 
And then also tell us what would your average entrepreneur need to know if they want to take a product from idea to market if it requires manufacturing and design? Sure. Okay, great. Two, two great subjects. So Motive uh, has been in uh, South Boston for the last 12 years. I have a great friend and business partner, and we have a staff of 20 talented people. Our team consists of graphic designers, industrial designers, and mechanical engineers, strategists, researchers. And then we've got this great network around us as well that supports. So lots of folks that we've known over the years. I've been in this industry for 30 years now. I've made a lot of friends, made a lot of contacts. So when it comes to entrepreneurs, you know, that's its own interesting lane because lots of big ideas, lots of vision. There's some block and tackling, as, as you know well in your business, Richard. You know, folks have to really sort of establish a basic financial model first in order to be able to go down the path of really being entrepreneurial and developing something. And that's not insignificant because as you look to scale something, those financial needs just only multiply significantly. So there's really sort of that basic model around what is the seed and then how is it going to grow from there? What we like to advise people is we like to sort of first get them in and understand it. And the conversations you and I have are really just, that is the foundation right there. So is it chicken and the egg? Is it is it that the design firm needs to build on this concept to make it more protectable? Or is it that you know, the conversation with the attorney has sort of set a great foundation for what this product or idea or concept could be, and then it gets built on from there. So it's a little bit of that up front. Let me ask you a quick question, though, something you mentioned about the scaling. I always thought that as you scaled up, your costs went down. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> But judging from your comment, that's not always the case. Not at all. So you can get benefits and scale once you're in mass production, right? But you're going to have to start with an initial investment. You're going to have to start with an initial design. You're going to have to get that out and build an initial base. And then really the biggest issue is if you're fortunate enough to make that work, then additional capital to grow that capacity. We've got one customer right now. These guys have just done an amazing job. I don't know if you're familiar with Circle Bottle. It's this great method of flavoring water. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a great concentrate. These guys started about five or seven years ago. We helped them get going. Companies value it at about a billion dollars today. Their biggest obstacle is really multiplying that capacity. So they got a great thing that people like it. Now it's how do you invest and how do you bring in the capital to really grow that? That's a great problem to have. That's not the initial problem. The initial problem is the foundational capital and then getting that initial traction. So, you know, if I were to look at what that one core thing is, it's like you have your big idea, right? And then it's really pivoting around that idea to get that first traction, to get those first customers, those first believers, and really investing in those first believers to really get momentum. And then once you have that momentum, it multiplies. But that's the hardest thing, I think. Having worked with startups in the past, what are some of the things that successful startups do to start generating that momentum? There are various ways that they can enter, You know, whether or not they go to direct-to-consumer or they go through retail channels. But really, I think paying very close attention to how they talk to those customers, you can make a fair amount of mistakes. You can have actually a product that's even somewhat unreliable, but you could still have customer love. So years ago, when we helped Keurig get started in the retail space, so our work was not to create the K-Cup. It was not to invent coffee as a more convenient beverage. It was really to make a machine for retail that was cost competitive and appealing. And those machines mind you, are not simple. If you open one up, you'll find lots of hoses and circuit boards and all kinds of stuff. So as you would imagine, new to the world product, prone to some failures. Their ability to talk to those customers early on and say, hey, I'll send you another one. Hey, I'll send you some more coffee. Hey, you know, like whatever you can do. And, and in fact, build that dialogue. I want you to talk to me. I want you to tell me what you think of my product. There's nothing better than having that level of transparency. Even if there's a flaw, you fix it. What do you think is the most important thing that startups need to know when they're trying to sell a consumer product? Or what's one common thing you found that they all struggle with? For one, consumers are very fickle. We can go around this room today and none of us like the same stuff. We can drink the same beverage and 
taste different, eat the same food, and we have our own experience. And that's where you really have to have a reasonably broad appeal to get scale. There's a lot of great ideas that have sort of niche channels, but if you want to grow it into something very large, you know, that figuring out where can you sort of maintain what that edge is that you have, but get that broad appeal. So really sort of understand that audience and figure out how you fine tune what this offering is so that it can transcend sort of generations and other things and gets the broadest audience. That's not to say that focused products aren't successful. It just really depends on your desire for scale. You know, how big is this thing going to be? If it's mass market, you know, you you have to really sort of go after that middle of the road taste to some degree, but elevate it to the degree that you can inspire, you know, that, and that's what your brand does. It brings something extra. Along those lines, I went on your website and saw you've taken some products and redesigned them to look very appealing, much more appealing to the average consumer. So how important <laughs> is that design? The look is really important, right? People are attracted to product. You know, it's things that are mundane, right? We do coffee makers and toasters and blenders and faucets and all those kinds of things. In your day-to-day, -day, you make decisions on these items based on how they make you feel. It's like eating food, right? You eat good-looking food, you hope it tastes good, but you know, there's appetite appeal, there's product appeal. Mm -hmm. So by and large, given two products, one that's more appealing, one that's less appealing, you might be inclined to pay more for the more appealing product to a degree. It's got to function well, it's got to not fall apart, but that's how a lot of innovative products get out there because people are, are always looking for something new and something interesting and something inspiring, especially with really mundane products in the day-to-day. -day. These are attainable luxuries. We're talking about products that cost, by and large, you know, 59, 69, 79, you know, 100 bucks. After that, you're starting to talk about for middle America, that's just a bigger conversation, you know, and given the recession today, I mean, these are items so you really have to pack a lot of appeal into something, into a small package. Now, that being said, we do a lot of much more expensive products as well, and that's a different audience. But for mass market, it's a lot of appeal and a lot of value. Well, so for our consumer products presenters here today that are going to go on after you, their products don't really lend themselves to a lot of splashy, different design. Can their packaging help them? Absolutely. So it's, again, this this appetite appeal. It depends on how you're buying it. You know, so if you're buying it online, you're looking at imagery of it. And we do a lot of that work where our branding and graphics team will photograph or render things in a certain way, in a certain light that really gives it the best appeal. But from strictly from a packaging, so the shelf sells, right? You walked out an aisle and then what catches your eye? You know, it's the color, it's the form factor, it's the messaging and keeping it simple, but not too simple. So an Apple box is terrific, but in a crowded shelf where there's lots of messaging, you know, you have to have a certain amount in, in an Apple store. It's perfect. It really depends on the environment. So we look for both and we and we look and develop both the structure and then also the the messaging and the imagery really think a lot about you know what is happening in that space what is happening in that category what are customers looking for and there there are all kinds of trends just like you mentioned in products there are all kinds of trends in packaging in terms of how that imagery is presented and then how that messaging is presented and then what is the message and you got to be mindful that Keep it short, keep it succinct, keep it focused. The pandemic, it sort of drove a ton of people online. The way people shop today, the brand experience is when you open the box. So it's a fine line, how much or how little, and what is that experience as you're sort of introduced to the brand? You know, you open a box, and so let's let's take that out of the box off. I opened it up, now how am I spoken to? You know, do I have a quick start guide right in front of me as the first item I get? What is that packaging? What is that material? You know, I don't want foam. I don't want styrofoam. I want something that's eco-friendly. I want something I know I can easily get rid of. I want something. But you have to ensure that that first experience is going to be amazing. And it's that opportunity to have that experience, right? We do a lot of work in that space, and really it's about the personality. You know, what do you want to get across? So it's a pretty broad message that can be tailored. You know, you can really tell how people are shopping. If you look at the shelf as well, I mean, it's designed in such a way so that there's material in an area where, you know, we want to present a certain kind of brand and message and above and below. So there are a lot of complexities to the way that's presented to the consumers. A lot of information to process. 
Paul Metaxatos, founding partner of Motive and a product development expert. More Passage to Profit right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Paul Metaxatos, founding partner of Motive, a product development company. They do a lot of different things. It's really interesting. We've just been talking about the importance of how your brand looks and your packaging. And now we're going to talk a little bit about engineering and our other two presenters on the show have both been on Shark Tank, and Paula's had clients on Shark Tank, so we may touch on that. And we've too. had clients on Shark. And we've had clients on so Shark Tank gets around. I guess it, it does. does. They need a lot of content. <laughs> they do. They do. So, Paul, what is going on with manufacturers? So we're we are taping this in the middle of November, twenty twenty two, and we're hoping supply chain problems have resolved themselves. But what is going on right now? That's a great question, and I would say it's improving, but it's not all there yet. There's been a really interesting cycle that's happened, and I can speak towards the high volume appliance uh, category, which is the area that we do a lot of work in. And, you know, for a period of time, obviously, there was just everything was locked down, right? So you had stuff that was quite stalled. And now what we're seeing is that on the inventory side, people have it. That stuff was shipped. It's an inventory. They're trying to sell it. So there's a little bit of a challenge there because the consumer demand has dropped off a bit. When it comes to the actual manufacturing of newer stuff, really, there's still some ramp up on chip shortages that we've seen. Smart folks in the development space will have contingency plans in terms of how they develop product that may utilize some different materials. So you start with a bill of materials around what you intend, but you may have some contingencies for certain chips and things like that, you know, based on the changes in pricing. So we've done some of that work with our customers where we may have designed it a certain way, and now we're seeing where things are going and we'll now change that design. It may alter the functionality. In fact, you all may have seen this out there where you go to buy a car and it says, well, that's been deleted. You know, that we're not, we're not doing that feature anymore. You can't have the heated steering wheel because we don't have the chips. And so part of that is really a need in order to develop a product that you can actually get to market and sell. How does the engineering process for a new product work? First, we start with what the idea is. So again, there's this core concept, whether or not it's an entrepreneur that comes to us or whether or not it's a it's an ongoing entity. And then we look at to understand the feasibility of it. And that's really the first stage. It's like, is this thing actually possible? And before, you know, you could conceptualize what the visionary thing is. And a lot of times we'll do that. You know, so as an example, our friends at New Milk who went to Shark Tank. They came to us and said, we want you guys to help us develop our appliance, our high volume appliance. So first we had to develop a show car and that was an idea that it sort of looks around like this, it's about the size, but that's really a visionary. It's not the fully functional piece. In parallel, you do feasibility and that's kind of a rinse and repeat cycle where you'll build the first one, you'll sort of play out how it might work and you'd really make a rough, I mean, if you saw some of these products, they're really ugly. I'm talking about nuts and bolts and screws sticking all over the place. We have lots of them here. That's what we do at our studio. We'll start with the first pass and then we'll make a second generation and a third generation. And as it gets refined, it gets better and it gets more functional. Sometimes you run into a wall, in which case now, now you've got to pivot. So the goal would be to get to that show car and fit everything inside, but you may have to alter. And most of the times, if you've ever experienced seeing a show car at a show, the final car that you buy is not the same car, right? It's got windows, it has a roof. And so you got to create a vision and then you have to move through the technical feasibility and the development in order. And that, that could be a very lengthy process. We're talking 
a year, two years, three years, if it's something that involves multiple streams, like if it's a, take a Keurig, for example, right? There's a cup of coffee, the pod, and then there's the machine itself. Those are actually two complete products that need to work together really closely. And they have to be made in such a way that they work really well, really often. <laughs> so that's a lot of development, a lot of trial and error, a lot of testing that goes into that sort of thing. So is it typical for people to put products out on the market to kind of market test them before finalizing the design? Is that typically part of the process if it's complex? Well, so there's a product that we just developed with a customer. In fact, there's one right here. It's the Blue Shift uh, wellness bottle. And that product was just launched direct to consumer. Think about it as like a sort of a, a large scale focus group, right? Because you got to get the product out there. If it's going through your own website, then you can control it, right? You do not want to set an early stage product out through Amazon or Home Depot or Walmart because you can't control it. If you can set it out through your website, then you can actually talk to that customer and you could start refining the product. So yeah, you can tell the customer, hey, this is a bit of an alpha launch and you really want to delight them. You want to have that engagement with them so that you can then refine the product. Very easy in the software space, right? Because you can just send somebody a fix. A lot harder in the product space. So before that product really does leave your your factory or your uh, your distributor, you really need to make sure that a lot of things are pretty well thought through. We've certainly met with and worked with some companies that were in that space. I would consider our space is a, a, a bit of that as well. I mean, it's a maker space in the sense that we make stuff here, we bring people in, it's just not wide open to the public. Paul Metaxatos, founding partner of Motive and a product development expert. How can our listeners reach you if they need to? Well, they can go to our website. So it's the dash motive, M-O-T-I-V, no E in motive.com. And that's probably the best way that they could see what we're about and then send us an email. Okay. Sounds great. We'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not? make it you. If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest, Paul Metaxatos. Now it's time for Power Move. We have Kenya Gibson with us. For Power Move, we're going to actually give it to one of my colleagues, Charlemagne the God. I just was reading in Forbes this morning that Crystal, which is the oldest quick service restaurant chain in the south of the U.S., has announced its brand new celebrity partnership with American radio host and television personality Charlemagne and his wife and business partner, Jessica Gadsden McKelvey. So they've signed on the dotted line to launch six franchise locations in 2023. And the first one being in Charlemagne's hometown of Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So Charlemagne is our power move for today. That's Excellent. Great. So these are restaurants? Yes. Crystal. What do they serve? I haven't heard of them. That's a good question. Let me see if, if it allows me to click here. Oh, it's chicken, chicken sandwiches. So like those little chicken Yum. minis, they look really good, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that does sound pretty good. Mm -hmm. I yeah. <laughs> On to my startup. For those of you who don't know, it's a video director of small businesses online. I've hit a snag though. I'm working on my website, but I need to figure out a way to pay for it. So I am starting a side project that I'm not ready to talk about yet, but it's pretty exciting. Everything I do is tech or media, so it's not a product, but I think it can be monetized fairly quickly. So that's what I need. Yeah. So starting a business to fund a business. But that can fund the longer term effort. So. Yes, I know. And it's a subject she's absolutely passionate about. And I'm sure you'll be hearing more about right. it in the coming episodes. We're gonna, but I just want to say we're going to file an intent to use trademark because our son came up with a super good name and then I had to modify it a little. So we came up with a super good name that we know somebody's going to take because we've been out there talking about it too much. I'm like, OK, we got to figure 
figure this out. So we have to file the intent to use trademark you're, before you're somebody really steals it. the audience with this, you know, I mean, well, they're all like, when is she going to reveal the business that well, funds the business? We'll find out more. All right. Well, great. So on to our presenter, Alexio Gibson, Gibson with a B, not a P like Kenya, has been on Shark Tank. His company is a transformation factory. And I'm just going to let him tell you all about it. We had we were talking about it before the show. It sounds phenomenal what his product is. So welcome to the show, Alexio. Hey, thank you for having me. So the transformation factory, the concept came from my own transformation. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I was 540 pounds. Uh, doctor told me that I wouldn't live to see 30. And uh, it was definitely the, the changing point in my life that I really wanted to still, still be a part of this planet and uh, wanted to make things different. So uh, during the pandemic, I was born and raised in the Bahamas and uh, a seaweed that very frequently washes up on our shore is called sea moss. Sea moss is something that's very culturally driven. It exists in the Caribbean as well as the Bahamas, Ireland, dating back from the, the 1800s. And it has 90% uh, of the essential minerals that our human body is made from. So it's something that culturally we would always take as islanders whenever we had issues with anything from inflammation, fertility issues, uh, or just wanting to build our immune system or to destroy mucus, which is the foundation of uh, pretty much every disease on the planet. So during the pandemic, I was taking care of my sweet grandmother and uh, she had core mobilities. And if you know, you paid attention to COVID uh, in the news, they pretty much said if you were older or had any conditions that COVID could potentially be fatal for you. And uh, my grandmother raised me. <laughs> so uh, she's almost like my mother. And I'm like, there's no way I got to protect her. I have to build her immune system. And uh, she was a coffee fiend. She would start her day religiously with a cup of coffee. So, you know, I found a way to make sea moss, which is normally very fishy and salty since it grows in the ocean naturally. I found a way to process it in a way that it was completely odorless and tasteless. And, you know, I put it in her coffee every morning. And she would uh, drink all her coffee and ask for more, like, why is it so delicious today? You know, and I finally told her what I was putting in her coffee. And she was like, well, I love it. And uh, she had thyroid issues, which was an iodine deficiency, something that CMOS is very rich in. And with the iodine deficiency, her hair was thin. She had memory loss, all these things. And I noticed very quickly that by putting that in her coffee every day, that her hair was growing. It was thicker. She was more vibrant. She had more energy. You know, her eyes were wider. And I'm like, wow, you know, and I started sharing those stories on my Instagram. And I had a few friends that were nurse practitioners that were in COVID units. And they said, hey, I need that stuff. I'm super scared to go home to my kids, my husband. Can I please just get that to help build my immune system? And I thought they were so brave to be out in the battlefield while we were at home on lockdown. So I felt bad even charging them. I said, hey, just stop by my house. You know, you know, everyone was afraid to even have interaction with each other. So I said, I would leave, I'm gonna leave it on the porch in a cooler full of ice, just grab it, you know, let me text me when you get it. And we started a hashtag CMOS for nurses, where if you showed us proof that you were a nurse, we got it to you for free. And that's literally how my business started. Within seven months, we made our first million with that brand. We attracted Shark Tank. And we recently made a deal with Kevin Hart, the comedian. He was a guest shark on the show. Oh, I and love Mark... Kevin Hart. Yeah. He's so <laughs> yes, he's incredible. He's so business savvy. You know, outside of his comedic role, he's actually extremely smart. Yeah. And uh, Mark Cuban, who was my personal favorite shark always. And today we are the number one CMOS brand in the world. Uh, we have more outreach and interest in our product than we can handle. So listening to Paul has my ears going on fire. I'm like, man, I can't wait to get on a call with this guy because we literally need a mass production solution. Wow, that's a great story. And um, what made you suspect CMOS could be the answer in the first place? Because I'm from the Bahamas, it's something that we just used. You know, most medicines derive from natural plants. You know, I, I went to school for biomedical engineering. And before I started my business, I worked for NASA. I was a part of the Curiosity Rover project that's on Mars right now. So science and technology and pretty much being a nerd has always been my thing. But uh, growing up in the Bahamas, we just knew that certain herbs 
even if they were bitter, it didn't taste good, which is most good things for us, right? It was just something that your grandmother would make a concoction of and say, hey, drink this. It's going to knock out your cold. And you drink it. It's like, uh, you know, I don't want it. <laughs> so sea moss is one of those things that grows in the ocean. So naturally, it's fishy and salty and all the things that a kid probably wouldn't want anything to do with. So uh, I figured out a way to process it where it didn't have any any of those flavors that I can sneak it into to my little sister's smoothie or my grandmother's coffee and still get them those nutrients without them knowing that it's there. Okay, so, Alexia, uh, wait a minute. I got to ask you something. So yes. you do not weigh 540 pounds today. I do not. I lost over 300 pounds. And that was the inception of the transformation factory. Did the CMOS help you lose that weight? Absolutely. So CMOS wasn't a weight loss thing for me. That's not why I was using it. It's just that it has so many benefits to the body. So specifically for men, it helps to build our testosterone, which the more testosterone we have, the more muscle mass we can build. The more muscle we have, the more fat you burn. It's also uh, anti-inflammatory. Most weight loss is because of inflammation sugar, starches, alcohol. So if you can get rid of inflammation, it makes it easier to lose weight. So it was definitely a tool, but I worked out a lot. I worked out over two hours a day. I watched what I ate. And very recently in the last four years, I've been completely plant-based. So uh, CMOS was just a tool that kind of brought everything together, gave me my energy, stabilized my hormones, attacked inflammation, and also helped my muscles to recover quicker. So I was able to build strength quicker as well. So you really are the transformation guy. You lost over 300 pounds and started a million dollar business. I mean, that if that's not transformation, what is? I agree. <laughs> so Kenya, do you have a question or comment? Well, first of all, I want to say congratulations on your weight loss. Like that is tremendous. And yeah. you just talk so gracefully like, oh, I just happened to work for NASA. So you're like, you're a super smart guy and it's good to talk to people like you. Yes. Question about how you plan to, I guess, what the future of CMOS looks like. Because I take CMOS. I actually use it as a facial too. It works for oh, that. Yeah. Just curious <laughs> to see like what innovations you plan to have in your business to kind of keep this momentum going. Our next thing is, like you said, it's great for your skin. People ask me all the time, what are you using on your skin? It's like CMOS. So now we're formulating with food scientists and chemists right now, an entire beauty line, a skincare line uh, that incorporates CMOS. About 65% of our customers are women. And, uh, you know, women control the health and the beauty industry. Uh, you ladies care a lot more about health and beauty than we do. <laughs> and so my goal is to piggyback off of that, give our customers what they want. And you have people with PCOS, you have people with all these different things that cause them to have bad skin and CMOS attacks inflammation that, that helps them. So I take it very seriously that we're the number one CMOS brand in the world now, where I take it as a personal challenge and a responsibility to educate the world and spread the message that this even exists because CMOS is still very much a culture capped thing. And I want it to be as big as green tea and matcha where everyone knows about it. We're the ones that's going to make that happen. And the goal is to just keep educating, creating content, partnering with the right influencers, the right partners to spread that message. And who better than Kevin Hart? who's like, you know, he's a rock star. I know, right? <laughs> Paul, Alexa, we got to talk because I, I I have to try this stuff and I have to see what we can do to help you. Seems like a, just a very exciting space and a very exciting opportunity where this ingredient can really offer a lot of opportunities. Thank you. So I looked on your website and we were talking about this before the show. You took this thing, you made it flavorless, but then you added flavors to it and made it a gel that you just can eat off a spoon like you did peanut butter as a kid, right? Yes, absolutely. So you have the raw unflavored flavor, which, you know, it's really for the, the strong at heart. <laughs> and, then <there's, laughs> and then there's people like myself and little kids who are picky eaters. And it's like, make it taste good for us. So we are uh, incorporated with organic fruit, agave, which is a, a sweetener that's extracted from the cactus plant, alkaline water, and all natural ingredients, no preservatives. We have pineapple, strawberry, banana, dragon fruit, which the kids love because it's pink. <laughs> it kind of looked like fairy dust in a jar. And uh, we, we had elderberry, goji berry, and soursop. You know, so we've created a, a few different flavors. And the biggest comment of feedback that we get with our reviews is, 
I can't believe you found a way to make CMOS taste good. It typically doesn't. I can't wait to uh, send you an influencer package where you can try them all so I can hear your feedback on like, wow, I can actually eat this. This is delicious. Well, I want to wow. try it. So, what, too. what does it taste like, raw sea moss? What does it taste like? I would say it's an applesauce consistency. The raw would be like applesauce without any sweetness to it at all. It's just very bland, tasteless, and a jello to applesauce like consistency. If you don't process it properly, wash it poorly, it can be salty. It can't even be fishy in its smell. But our process is so diligent that we remove all of those impurities 100%. And the actual plant without the salt and impurities and everything that grows naturally around it in the ocean is really tasteless and odorless. You just have mm. to take the time to really clean it. That's a process that we take extremely seriously so that you don't have that taste. So how do you harvest it? Do you walk along the beach and pick up strands of sea moss that wash up? Or how do you get the sea moss? Or you go out in a, like a motorboat or something? Sea moss farms do exist, but uh, sea moss grows naturally in the ocean, a lot of times on top of coral. A lot of fish use it as refuge, build their nests, or use it to hide from predators. It's literally a plant that all living organisms love and can use. But to answer your question at our scale, we would never be lucky enough to be able to pull 15,000 pounds of this stuff <laughs> off the shore. We have divers all over the world. We have divers in St. Lucia, Tanzania and Africa, Ireland, the Bahamas, where I'm from, where it grows naturally. You can dive for it. Uh, there's also some farmers that will take a piece of it from the ocean and regrow it in smaller oceans that's shallow where they can extract it easier you know so uh, other farmers and different vendors have different ways of getting it but typically uh naturally it grows at the ocean bed so what are you doing to get the word out because this sounds like a miracle product i'm mm. definitely trying it yeah. i didn't know about it till you came on the show we have a marketing team that runs facebook ads tiktok ads pinterest google you know e-commerce is definitely the new gold rush Everyone has a phone and TikTok is exploding right now. It's, it's used three times longer than any other platform. And what we're doing to create momentum and to spread the word is creating content that's digestible for Generation Z and millennials and baby boomers and Generation X, creating uh, 15 second videos, 30 second videos, educating them, making it something that they want to click and save and screenshot and uh, spreading the word that way. The second thing is having impeccable customer service and delivering a product with beautiful packaging. And also once people try it, they feel the effects right away, most of our customers. And it's now like, you don't wanna stop because you feel so brolic. You feel like a super a woman, a superhero. You feel right away when you stop taking it. So we have over 4,000 subscribers because they just don't wanna be without it. That's currently where we are, but we're growing aggressively and there's so much more that we can do. I just have an idea and you may have done this already. Have you ever thought of doing like a sea moss challenge, right? So, you know, in the beginning of the new year, when people are like on this fitness and wellness journey, I think obviously using it consistently helps people. And it yes. sounds like you've built like this very passionate community around the usage of the product. That could be really cool, like going into the new year, setting up yes. some sort of challenge for 21 days, 31 days, and just creating accountability within the, the network of folks who are using the product and introducing it to other people as well. I would do it. Well, uh, Ken, you're right on the money. You sound like my marketing team. This is <laughs> <laughs> But literally our season is New Year's because like you said, new year, new me. Everyone mm -hmm. says that this is the year I'm going to lose the weight. This is the year I'm going to get healthier. So um, we do plan on doing CMOS challenges and helping people transform. But I've also been filming my 300 pound weight loss over the last three years. Mm. And uh, the goal is to continue to be healthy and lose more weight. And what we plan on doing is sharing those workouts, sharing those smoothie recipes, sharing the journey and everything it took for me to become a better version of myself so that our 300,000 customer base can now start transforming, becoming the best version of themselves. And then we can share their stories and stories sell and it's magnetic and it's contagious. Based on what you just said, I want you back on this show when you hit a billion. <laughs> or half a million is okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so yes. people can find it on cmostransformation.com. 
And I went on the website. The different flavors are there. I would encourage you if you found this interesting to go. And I can hardly wait to see what Alexio does in the next couple of years with this. So now we are on to presenters who are repeats on the show. They met Kenya on the beach years ago when we first started the show were some of our first presenters on the show. And they know how to do it. They have just really blown their business out. So welcome, Kevin and Lori Lane. Please tell us what's going on with Create a Castle. Yeah, Create a Castle is a brand new way to build sand and snow castles unlike ever before. So we're all used to filling molds, flipping them, lifting them on the beach or in the snow. So basically our molds split in half instead of lifting. It's cylinders that could be stacked. They don't have to be stacked depending on the beach you're on. Works incredibly well on any beach or any snow and sand that supports product and the, the wow. castles that come from it are just amazing yeah i think what i love most about it is little kids can use it without the frustration because i was always the littlest one and plus they have these little lights for nighttime so basically we started in back in 2017 and then we started selling in 2018 and we won 2020 outdoor toy of the year so live we've kind of we were on live with kelly and ryan we kind of like went crazy just from this idea. We decided to go with it. So it's been very successful. And then this year we also went from being, even though we're not technically seasonal because we do sand and snow, we went to an indoor kit. So we took basically our technology, shrunk it down, and now we sell an indoor kit with molds that also comes with a proprietary sand or snow. So now we are a full year round product offering as well, which has really helped us. And then about a month ago, we aired on Shark Tank and our lives have not been the same ever since. Yeah, 3,500% bump on our website <laughs> yeah. sales in Whoa. the slowest month. Yeah, the slowest month. don't sell anything in October for the outdoor kit. And this is the first year with our indoor kit, but it was definitely crazy. We did get a deal with Kendra Scott, who was a guest shark that day. So we're still in the works of that, kind of working on the details, but it's been crazy explosive growth for sure. And in about another week, I'm flying down to Tampa because we were going on HSM with the indoor line. Congratulations. Yes. I'm sure it's been a great ride. So being on Shark Tank had a huge impact. 3,500% bump on our, on our website, 600% bump on Amazon. On we actually are out of stock out of our lead selling product in our pro kit because we literally brought the beach to the sharks as you may have seen we brought 1.5 tons of sand on set and we had to build the night before what that did is it just made our business explode when people saw what i built on national with TV the kits with the kits and what's really fascinating is is traditionally video works best for social media marketing there was one part of the uh of the episode where they zoomed in i built a chessboard down in clearwater beach all i had to do was use that image because it was burnt into everybody's minds and put our logo as seen on Shark Tank. Our roast has gone from 1% to over 7% certain days. It's For that just, particular it's unbelievable. Image. Well, congratulations on that. And it just right. shows what the right kind of media exposure, well, like media. being on Passage to Profit can do for people. <laughs> Again, it's createacastle.com. And you're probably also on the Shark Tank website now too, right? Like, yeah. That is amazing. I know you guys have put your whole family effort into this and worked your rears off for this. So it's been a lot of hard work for you guys. Is, do you feel like it's finally getting to a point where you're making money and it's paying off? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> it's starting. I was actually telling my husband Norris the other day, I'm like, remember the people we met on the beach that were building the sandcastle? I'm like, they're blowing up. So I'm so happy for you guys. And you're going to be able to buy a castle, sounds like it, pretty soon. So, so where are your sales now? Are you all over the world? I know you were in Australia a couple of years ago. So you were kind of using that to sell during our winter. Where are you now? We just signed with Tomi International for Australia, New Zealand. And hopefully expanding. Out yeah. There. So we're kind of there concentrating in those couple of areas right now for uh, Tomi. So hopefully that will expand. They literally just got the product like a month ago. So that's all brand new. And then otherwise, we're definitely all over, you know, North America, Canada, we're getting a little bit more exposure into Canada, we're just plugging along, just getting every avenue that we can to um, get the product out there. We're literally like building a door on the busiest sections of the beach, we'll build a door and all the people come to our door knocking instead of us having to go out and knock and thousands, wow. and thousands of people interact. Are you still unloading the barges yourself? 
and putting them in your warehouse yourself <laughs> with your kids. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. And now our kids are both in Florida, so that's <laughs> so they can't help us. But yeah, we were supposed to actually have two containers that are right now at the port in in New York or they New Jersey. Started. Do you have a question, Paul, or comment? Or first of all, phenomenal success. You guys clearly nailed it. Uh, you know all the things that. I've learned from working with lots of clients over the years, you've done those. One, you're passionate about it. Your product explains itself. You, you, you figured out ways to get great media. Certainly Shark Tank is huge. And then you're just living it. And I'm, I'm sure everything I described earlier probably resonates in terms of like, you got to talk to your customers. You got to really make sure they're really happy. You got to educate them one step at a time if it's brand new. So I'm just thrilled to hear about your experience. You started with one basic product, right? And then mm -hmm. Lori had the idea of the bag to carry it again. And I remember you telling me that. And now how many products do you have? You added the lights, you added different molds. How many do you have now? Well, it's about eight SKUs, but it's basically, we just add like different size in the kits. So it's like the same cylinder basic, and then it's just different sizes. And then more, now more parts. Yeah, more parts. And then now we definitely have the um, indoor line, which is, you know, we have a couple different versions of that starter kit. We're, we're, kit. Yeah, we're launching the starter kit for the indoor line, which would be a $20 set price point. That's going to launch into Target next spring. Wow. Congratulations. That's, that's really great. When you get this to a certain point, are you going to keep it as a business and run it? Or are you going to sell it and start a new one? And how do your kids feel? Like, are they going to take it over? What What are you thinking about? Yeah, they are definitely interested. Yeah. They want spots in your company. So you're going to keep the company. You're probably not going to sell it anytime soon then, right? Yeah, we would like to. I mean, that's the goal is to just keep building it. We put our, you know, blood, sweat and tears into it. I mean, so. look, if we got the right offer, that could change things. But as of right now, we don't have any offers on the table. So we're going to just keep building this monster that it's about to become. I mean, if you go in Target, oh, come on. I mean, that is, you've made it. So thank you so much for uh, keeping us up to date, Create a Castle and Kevin and Lori Lane. And where can they buy your products? createacastle.com, Amazon, Walmart. Target's already available on target.com. Type in create a castle into Google. You, you'll see it everywhere. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Paul Metaxitos. And if you didn't hear the stories today, wow. If you want to be an entrepreneur and you want inspiration, listen to the podcast tomorrow. If you want to hear all this again, listen to the podcast tomorrow. But I'm, this was an amazing show because it was just people making it through their own grit and their own determination and their own passion. We will be right back after these messages. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This that has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Noah Fleischman is our producer here at Passage to Profit. We couldn't do this without him. And he just has a way of putting his best memories in perspective. I'll never forget the night of my 10th birthday. My mother and I watched Casablanca on the late movie. It was wonderful because she provided all the narration, telling me about Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, Peter Lorre, explaining World War II, all the detail in the picture. It was great. When it was all done, she said, when I was your age, my mother couldn't show me a movie on late TV and explain about it. There was no TV to show it on. Just think, now we have the internet, YouTube, virtual reality. Any one of us can go anywhere in time that we want for any period of time. It's unbelievable. And what better activity for family night. Mom can put on the wraparound shades and the headset, spend time in a luncheonette in 1956. Dad can go and hang out in a cocktail lounge in 1968. 
The daughter can toss on her acid-washed denim jacket, virtually, of course, and go to the mall in 1986. Family night. That's what you call togetherness. Until the internet goes down, then all we'll have is each other. Passage to profit, and now it is time, as we are wrapping up our program, to go through the question, a segment that Elizabeth developed. As entrepreneurs, we're always working. I don't know if Kevin will have an answer to this because it sounds like he never relaxes, but the question is, what do you do to relax after a busy day? So let's start with Paul. My answer is I work harder. (laughs) Let's start with Paul. What do you do to relax after a busy day? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I missed about the pandemic, and you guys guys are going to think I'm nuts, but I leave my home, I go to Boston, and there is a transition space between my home and my office. And during that time, I talk to my family, I call my brother. I find that aspect to be, if I can block out what's going on around me, the traffic and all that, decompression from hard work is pretty critical because otherwise you just bring it right home. So, you know, during COVID, I was there and that was a little tougher. And so I enjoy learning. Also, just communicating with folks is a way to really sort of rechannel your energy so that when you can enter the family space or you can enter a different space, you got a different mindset. You know, you just have sort of different thoughts, education, things like that. For me, that just makes a big difference. You know, and then I'll get home and have a glass of wine. But that's that's secondary <laughs> after I've had this transition. Excellent. So, Alexia, what do you do to relax after a busy day? Being from the islands, I love the water. So I'll go kayaking jet skiing. But my favorite thing if I'm stuck in my apartment is just listening to music. I have a record player. I'll throw Sade in there, uh, the Fugees, some old school R&B. I love fresh flowers and candles in my house, you know, and uh, literally just Zen and complete silence sometimes and with a notepad and unloading everything out of my brain. I'm really a loner. <laughs> you know, like well, you to sound be like quite brain. a catch for somebody. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. So, Lori yeah. Lane, what do you do to relax after a busy day? I actually love to watch the Hallmark Channel. I am one of those crazy Hallmark people, so I could sit and just, that's the way I like to chill out. Yeah. What about you, Kevin Lane? I like to build sandcastles. <laughs> pretty pretty uh, simple guy, you know? And now that I have the luxury of building snow castles on my table without gloves, it's an unbelievable, <laughs> satisfying experience. Kenya Gibson, what do you do to relax after a busy day? Oh, I'm a big prayer and a meditator, right? I give the whole day over to God and I, you know, tell him all the mistakes I made and how to help me be better tomorrow. What about you, Richard? Well, it used to be that I was watching a lot of TV and I still like to hit the Netflix channel and just see what's on there. But the funny thing is we'll turn the program on and then Elizabeth and I will start talking and we won't watch the movie. So I guess the, the way I relax is by talking to Elizabeth in the evening. Yes. And for me, how do I relax after a busy day? Well, I do spend time with my cats. You do. They are very (laughs) relaxing. They're very sweet. And we are actually going to start doing yoga. We keep saying it. We're going to make it happen. Right. (laughs) One of these days, if you can just imagine Elizabeth and I doing yoga, then that should give you a chance. Please don't try to imagine (laughs) that. You don't want to see that. (laughs) So anyway, we have come to the end of the show. I would like to mention everybody's website one more time. Palm Attacks the Toes, founding partner of Motive, product development expert, www.the-dash motiv.com. Pick up the phone, give him a call. He'll develop a product for you. Alexio Gibson, Transformation Factory, the transformationfactory.com. He is giving the world, well, selling, but giving the world CMOS, which is an incredible natural product. He's the CMOS king. He's the CMOS <laughs> king that is really helping a lot of people. And then we had Kevin and Lori Lane with Create a Castle, createacastle.com. It's a sandcastle, snow castle maker that anybody can use, even youngest kids. Building castles in the sky. But you can do it in your house now. <laughs> the indoor kid. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director, and Mark Wilson, our syndication manager. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information during this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. Thank you for listening. Listening, and we'll see you next week.